So you guys don't have them in Wyoming yet? Uh, that I'm not sure. We always get everything super late. Um, that goes with everything. Um, Dude, they are not, so not just alcohol. They are so good. I, it's shitty because they sell them in those party packs for now. Yeah, and I think it's. I think it's kind of like to gauge interest so they don't make a million cans and it just be an absolute shit flavor. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had too many Twisted Teas in my life. Um, Disgust. (laughs) Yeah, the opposite from you. Um, I don't know. The first one I had, I didn't really like, but I'm probably going to pick up a pack just to try those. They they're okay. the The originals are like good, and then you start you kind of start to experiment, and then you then you get like the half and half, so the lights, and you're like, oh, these are really good. And then uh, I mean, they're dude, they make so many flavors. So I'll buy you actually. I know in Montana they have a huckleberry flavor that you can only get out there. That one's actually pretty good too. Ooh. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. And, and nobody knows about that one unless they live out west. <clears throat> and then uh, there's like. Whatever spicy mango is in Spanish, they just came out with like that flavor pretty recently. There's like peach. Uh, there's just a whole bunch of random. There's like blueberry, uh, fuck, raspberry or wildberry or something. Dude, there are literally so many flavors. And I don't think they're all like readily available in one spot. Like they're just kind of like by region, I assume. But they're all, they're all pretty good. I mean, as good as they can be. Yeah. The thing I'm going to miss is, uh, the Bushlight Apple. That was <clears throat> that was my favorite, and they took it away from us forever. Dude, it was. I the only one I had was like piss warm. This was a couple years oh, ago. Yeah. It was okay. It was they're okay, not, but they're not good warm at all. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't. Well, I don't think any beer is good warm, but they're supposedly Dude. replacing it with peach. Yeah. Yep. I just saw the peach ones start kind of getting rolled out out here. Yeah. <sighs> Dude, I don't know. Peach beer is just pretty hit or miss, I think. Like, you got to do it right for it to be okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, we'll say, I don't know if you guys have Old Smoky, like, whiskey out there, but their peach whiskey, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yep, I drank a whole fifth of it last summer while I was recording an episode, and I got so fucked up, dude. Like, I, I, I don't know if I've ever said this, but I woke or I ended up in my bed don't know what happened, woke up at like, must have been like 11, I must have gone to sleep super early, went to the bathroom, started to shower, but I fell asleep before I even got in the shower, so I woke up at like 4 o'clock in the morning, the shower was still running, I was passed out on the bathroom floor, oh, got up got up into my bedroom, apparently like, I must have puked while getting up, because it was like on the edge of my blankets and shit, <laughs> oh my gosh, I had to get up and go to work that day the next day was like a thursday or a friday and that's like the worst i'd ever been hung over i remember we had to move like move some couches or something from like an eviction and i remember just sweating bullets and just being like oh my gosh i'm gonna die I- i'm gonna croak right here right now uh that sounds a lot like gage sometimes he will uh he'll probably kill me for saying this but he uh likes to pass out in the bathroom hasn't he hasn't in the recent year or so but i was always getting snapchats of him like asleep in the bathtub or on the floor (laughs) it was hilarious speaking of gauge so he was the last one we had 
from your guys' area, from from the west, you know, Wyoming, Montana, that whole little cluster of states out there. Yeah. And I want to say, like, you two are the only two that have been on that are from that area off the top of my head. I can't think of anybody yeah. else. Yeah, and, I was thinking about that earlier. That he was probably the guess, last one. Yeah, so he was on episode 29, and you're on here for episode 89. Jeez. So, uh, 89, dude, I know it's crazy. So, you are Mr. Ben Linnell. For anybody who who isn't familiar with with your voice, all you're talking about piss warm beer. Yeah, and uh, you you reside in the great. You, you live in Wyoming, right? Yes, I am currently in Wyoming. Um, and like twenty miles from the Colorado border. Um, okay, so I'm, is Wyoming north of Colorado? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. And then in between Colorado and Montana. Oh, okay, so. Is Montana to your east? Uh, no. no, pretty much straight north. Oh shit! Okay, okay. We're the the other square state. Um, yeah, dude. Like those, I don't know. Your guys' states just get shit on. Like everybody knows where all of like a lot of the Midwest states are. Everybody knows like California, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada. Yeah. You know, all the way down to Texas. Uh, and then you guys just kind of, you guys just reside in the middle. You're just yeah. where you have to, where you have to cross to get to California from the East coast. Yeah. I, I'm like the opposite of that. I struggle with the, the Southern states on the map. I'm like, that one, Missouri, is that Mississippi? I don't know. Midwest hater, the outside Midwest, you know, the small states, like, just the generalization of New England, those states are fucking confusing. Yes, absolutely. And, like, I didn't I didn't even know New England was a region. I thought New England was, like, a fucking sub, like a sub-city of a state. That's where, like, oh, the New England Patriots. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. They play in Gillette yeah. Stadium. <laughs> and then some, we were on, somebody was on, and they're like, oh, yeah, the New England area. And, they're, and I was like, oh, like, I was really playing it playing it casual i'm like oh well what states are in it for the people that don't know and he elaborates yeah. and i'm just like wow this is that's crazy i've gone 20 years and i had no idea that it was a group of states like the midwest exactly uh, oh, comical so who who is mr benlam now who are you what do you do before we before we get into it too heavily um well I'm Ben Linnell. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm Ben Linnell. Um, I'm an alcoholic. Um, no, not really. My favorite pastime. <laughs> um, gosh, I'm I'm just a big fish nerd. Um, I'm in the process of becoming a full-time fisheries biologist. Uh, my whole life is just kind of. Uh, consumed by fish. Very, very fishy man. And today while we're recording this, was it today or yesterday that you got, what was it, number 15? Oh, yeah. Um, that fish was, gosh, that was probably a month ago. Um, but I just got my award in the mail yesterday. Is that for the splice? Yes. Okay. Okay, so if you guys are unfamiliar, Mr. Ben here, out of Wyoming, if you guys don't know anything about Wyoming, I barely know anything. All I know is Ben catches a lot of fucking fish on swim baits that you guys 
don't even comprehend or think of when somebody says swim bait. You guys think, oh yeah, you know, bass, pike, not not trout or chinook salmon or you know, uh, walleyes. I mean, dude, you guys out there have some absolutely stellar uh, quote unquote. We'll just call, we'll say quote unquote for most listeners, like by catches out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, in all of our fisheries, uh, if you're targeting bass or pike or something like that, you're going to catch trout. It, you just can't escape them. Um, it can be pretty frustrating. I want to. It was uh, last last year. Uh, Gage and I and our buddy Brandon. Uh, we were out in South Park, Colorado. Um, chasing trophy pike and we were throwing uh big softies uh rising suns and we could not keep the trout off i mean it was almost every cast we were getting bit or hooked up with like a mid-20s to 30s in 30 inch cut bow it was so stupid and it was so frustrating because that's not what we wanted but people from out of state, I mean, they they travel from all over to catch those fish, and to us, and to us, they're yeah. they're just a pain in the ass. Dude, that is just so absolutely mind boggling. I mean, ninety ninety seven percent of the guys listening to this uh, affiliate trout and swim baits, like, oh, that's what my bass are eating, not like. Not affiliation as far as like, oh, that's what's eating my bait. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, I guess contrary to popular belief, I'm not a big trout guy. Um, That's just all that I have around me. So, I'm kind of stuck with them. Um, To me, trout are the world's greatest bait fish. Um, I had a... An old boss of mine, uh, Dr. Finsel in South Dakota, he he coined that phrase for rainbow trout, that they're the the world's greatest bait fish, and they really are, and there's nothing else like them. Yeah, dude. Um, I guess shit, what was I gonna salmon say? as well. Oh, I was salmon, I... salmon and rainbow trout. Yeah. they're they're both kind of in that same category. All right. Um, what I was going to say, I heard this on a podcast today, actually, and I don't know the study, but you might have some insight to this. Uh, a bass, and this is completely off topic as far as like what we're talking about, but it has relation to trout, so it makes sense. And, and being bait, a bass has to eat like 14 pounds of shad to gain one pound. But apparently a bass only, quote unquote, only has to eat nine, nine pounds of trout to gain one pound um yeah that would make a lot of sense the and and the other thing that's like that makes uh them eating super efficient is i so we don't have them here and i can't remember for the life of me the name of them but they're they're like plentiful in texas is those super big crawdads with like the super big appendages yeah. and stuff apparently apparently nine pounds of those are equivalent to gaining one pound of mass like like a trout like a trout does too those are like the two things that grow mega fish and i heard it like this guy has like uh 
a research area where he feeds these fish, you know, X amount of whatever a day or how, however he sets it up. And he has charts to figure out like how many pounds it takes to create one pound of mass in the fish after it's all digested and stuff from what right. I understood. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when you're talking like caloric value, uh, rainbow trout are like pretty much the highest. Um, I mean, a, a gizzard shad is kind of like a, a salad and a rainbow trout's more like a, like a ribeye steak. You know, they, you just get so much more from them. Um, they have way more, um, you know, fats and oils, that kind of stuff. Uh, they just get way more nutrients from trout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the, like the most, we've had this discussion before on the podcast, but we were not fish nerds like you or had a lick of school, school education on like fish biology, but right. is, uh, is kokanee like the best caloric intake trout for a bass? Like what, like there's, there's that spot up in Washington, I think maybe even Idaho. Yeah, that, there are there are some coke eaters in Idaho. Huge smallies that eat these coke trout and just mm-hmm. get fucking massive. Yeah, um, I'm not sure which one is more than the other, but they're very similar. Um, all of those, all of the Oncorhynchus uh, species that that genus, uh, they're all pretty closely related, so they shouldn't differ a whole lot. Um, we have in Colorado. We have some um, some coke eating bass as well, uh, and they they can get big. One one fishery in particular is I don't know. It's kind of crashing, and we're not sure what's going on. Um, but it used it used to have some really big uh, smallies. It's I'm going out there and I'm eating all the bass I catch. That's what's happening. I'm single handedly yeah. taking down the bass population in this area. Yeah, around here most of uh, the kokanee are in lake trout fisheries. Uh, they're stocked as the main forage for them. Mm. Uh, so, kokanee and our fisheries around here usually aren't in many that have bass or um, any other warm water species. A couple of them have pike, and they grow giant pike as well. But for some reason, uh, yeah, dude, it's oh, go ahead. For some reason, Western uh, biologists refuse to uh, they refuse to stock real bait fish um, for our lake trout fisheries, and they just go with stocked kokanee. And in pretty much every instance, the lake the lake trout have almost eliminated the kokanee. I shouldn't say eliminated, but um, they've plowed through them. And that's not going to work. Because they, they, they can't even produce enough kokanee in the hatcheries to keep them fed enough. If they were to actually stock a self-sustaining bait fish like Cisco's, um, maybe smelt in some places that that would keep a lot of these uh, lake trout fisheries out here from crashing. Um, they're starting to have 
tournaments and stuff, encouraging you to go out and keep as many lake trout as you can. It's pretty sad. That's, that's interesting. Yep, they're just completely collapsing uh, the entire forage base. Damn, do you guys have do you guys have gobies out there? Is that a, a forge for for those lake trout and stuff out there? No, we don't have any gobies. Um, but we have uh, we have a species similar. Um, it is the mottled sculpin. Um, they look very similar. They're kind of that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. They, can't, they have that pretty much the same role. Um, but they're you know gobies are technically invasive. Um, mm-hmm. Tend to be in higher numbers. So the go or the the sculpins, they're usually in lower numbers. So they're not that great of a forage fish. Um, I will say, <laughs> and everybody has probably seen this fish now, um, that new world record fish from yep. Colorado. 72 pounder or something? Yeah, that's about an hour from my hometown. It's just over the mountain. Really? Uh, that That lake has perch in it, and I can't think of any really any other lake trout fisheries in the area that have perch. Um, I guess there's one other one uh, that's a short distance away, and that's probably, that lake's probably the number two lake trout fishery in in Colorado. Uh, So I think, and I've seen it too, um, a lot of these, a lot of the smaller lakers, they get cut open from people keeping them, and they're just full of little perch. I think mm-hmm. I think perch can be a a really good forage for those smaller lakers. The problem is that those little lakers, they're the problem, not the not the bigger lakers. Those little ones are eating all of the freshly stocked kokanee that are you know, they're just like little fingerlings. They just plow through them. Uh the adult lakers eating you know, them eating the 20-inch kokanee every other day isn't going to do as much damage as all of those smaller lakers eating hundreds of them. And there's a lot more of those little lakers, too. Damn, dude. I will say, um, like, if, if people have never experienced lake trout or, like, watched lake trout videos, and I've talked about this guy before, go on YouTube, <clears throat> excuse me, type in, uh, uncut angling and i can't, <clears throat> i can't remember which video it is where he drops that 21 inch tulipy down there yeah and this this lake trout you know looking at it looking at it goes to swim away and just like a bass does thing does a 90 degree turn like a 180 degree turn looks at it slurps it down dude just gone no i know once or like one one gulp halfway down like just the tail's poking out second gulp boom that thing's down it's gullet and he is fighting this fish I think it's a 40 it was probably a 45 inch probably heavy or extra heavy hot rod with i think a corrado 70 or corrado 200 and if you guys have never seen an ice fishing pole damn near doing 90 degree 90 degree <laughs> bend um go watch this video it's towards the end of the video he it drags out a little bit because this fish is around like all day and is looking sizing up this bait all day and he gets this thing up here and dude I, I got, what was it, like 45 pounds or something like that? 
Yeah, it was something ridiculous. Just absolutely massive. I mean, he literally sticks his whole... I mean, he's wearing a big, like, snowmobile jacket, like a big puffy jacket. You know, he's in the middle of Canada. It's cold in, in his shanty. He st- his his literal, his whole forearm was down there to pull out that those quick-release hooks. Or, like, quick-release hooks, yeah. Dude, those fish are so crazy. Like, guys who don't know, don't know. I mean, I've only ever caught a couple, and I haven't gotten to catch any on a swim bait. But those things are fucking ferocious, dude. Yeah, they are... <laughs> they're remarkable um that yeah they they blow my mind i know there's a, a few guys in the in the swim bait community that chase them um grady obviously he and i fished uh he and i fished the same same lake um so he and i have probably have some similar experiences there uh that that lake is that's probably for now at least probably the best laker fishery in the lower 48 um excluding the great lakes i'm kind of i'm kind of blessed to be sandwiched in between two of the best fisheries obviously blue mesa the one that just produced that fish and this other one in wyoming um I mean, they're both world-class fisheries. I'm also blessed to know <laughs> some guides, too. I've got a buddy that guides on the one in Wyoming, and he's he's generously put me on some insane Lakers. Yeah, dude, that's that's so awesome. Have you gotten to tango with them on a swim bait at all, like deep cranking a TK, or fish oh. out pretty fucking deep, like 70, 80 feet or deeper? Yeah, they they tend to be pretty deep. Um, the shallowest I've caught one, at least a bigger one, um, is probably 45 feet Holy deep. Shit. Um, and that was through the ice. Yeah. Uh, but they will go shallow. Um, <laughs> it's, I don't even know if I should mention it. Um, you can occasionally get them on top water. Uh, it's a very small window, but, and I've always wanted to do it. Um, I've just never, uh, the stars just have never aligned for me. Yeah. Um, I've got another friend that he, he's a YouTuber, um, and I kind of, kind of introduced him to, to swim baits, um, last year, right before the ice came on, um, he went out and I let him use my depths 175. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he got a got a few pretty good Lakers on that, um, and him being brand new to swim baits, not exactly knowing the ins and outs of it, did pretty well. Um, I think the biggest one he got was thirty eight or thirty nine inches. Jeez. And all and those fish were all shallow, so hopefully I can get out uh, get out with him this year and mimic the same same pattern he had. And that guy's name was Ben Milliken. No. <laughs> <laughs> he actually is Milliken has actually filmed some uh, ice fishing stuff, right? Some, yeah, in in my like ten minutes from my apartment. Yeah, I remember you posting that on Facebook. And speaking of ice fishing, and I think Milliken even talks about this in that video or in one of the one of those ice fishing videos. 
you got one of those clickbait sonars, right? Like one of the ones that you can vertical jig almost like you were ice fishing, right? Yeah, uh, one of the minis. Um, I was just chilling in my apartment one day, and I get a, a message from Daniel. He's like, you been ice fishing much? I was like, oh, this has got to be good. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he told me all about it and uh, asked if I would was interested in trying it out and i was like hell yeah because i caught probably like the day before that um i caught my pb walleye through the ice um on a kind of a golden shiner um lipless crank and the fish in that lake just absolutely smash anything in that golden shiner carp pattern so i was like if you get me one in a similar pattern, I can probably catch some pretty good fish with it. Yeah. And uh, you ended up making me one, and I never never got out to that lake the rest of the year because apparently Wyoming doesn't um, own snow plows. So I, <laughs> I couldn't even access that lake uh, without a snowmobile. Damn, dude. That's, that's crazy. I, I, I remember one of the spots you were fishing, you sent me a video. And I was like, holy shit, you guys, you guys got some snow. I mean, damn. Yeah. There's one lake um, I ice fished this year. Oh, that lake is such a gem. It is... <laughs> it's so full of big trout. Um, but it's got, it's got a snow fence around one of the, the shorelines. And it's probably... Uh, 25 feet deep of snow built up yeah, along that was the fence. Spot. That was the spot I was referring to. You'd sent me videos of, but I wasn't sure if, like, if I mentioned, like, a fence being there, if I was going to give your spot away or anything. Oh, no, there's <laughs> there's so many snow fences out here. The entire interstate is lined with them. A, a three-foot snow fence to protect against the 27 inches of snow you guys accumulate oh, in two weeks. They're, uh... Oh, they're higher than that. They're like... Oh, really? <laughs> well, I know, unfortunately, from experience, because I helped build a bunch last summer, um, they're more like 12 feet high. Most of them are. Oh, no shit, dude. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty large. They don't look like it from the road, but they're pretty big. <laughs> Oh, that's so that dude. That's so fucking crazy to think about, and it, it's even crazier to think about that. Like, you have a legitimate shot of catching fish on swim baits, like in the winter time. Like, that's something that, I mean, dude, nobody. I mean, there's probably maybe. I mean, I can't even think of a different bait you could do that with, other than that bait, other than the mini sonar that came out this year. And I think next year, like. Next year, if some guys get their hands on that, like guys up on uh, Erie or Superior that like it, or even um, Milwaukee Harbor, that like, dude, there could be some serious trout caught on swim baits through the ice next year, like absolute magnums. Yeah, absolutely. I had, I did get to fish it um, in some places for trout. I had so many fish. Just, I mean. My buddy has a live scope, so I was, I was live scoping them through the ice, 
and they would see that sonar, that clickbait, and just come unglued and follow it, and then for some reason, last second would would dip out. Um, I had I had tons of twenty plus pound lake trout doing that too. Uh, the one time I got out for them, and then um, another lake that the one with the the snow fence. Um, that yeah, one's yeah. that one's full of ridiculous rainbows and and cutthroats and brook trout too. Um, I have not been lucky enough to find one of those brookies. Um, I think those brookies get eaten by the cutthroats and rainbows when they're stocked. Because yeah. um, they're in super low numbers. Uh, one of my buddies caught one uh, probably two months ago. It was right at 20 inches, uh, which is very, very good for a brook trout. And I told one of the uh, area biologists about it, and he was, like, amazed. He was like, you have a picture of it? you got to show me, because we, we never see them in that lake. And I, I've looked yeah. at, like, the sampling data, and they maybe get one or two every year. So I know, I mean, and they stock 2,000 every year. So they've, those rainbows and cutthroats have just got to be going to town on them. And in my deep thinking that I do in my apartment by myself, in the corner in the dark, um, yep, beer. always, <laughs> I was like, I need to get my hands on like uh, a 115 slide swimmer, custom painted in brook trout. I bet those fish would just go nuts for it. Dude, I just looked at, so Wyoming's state record for brook trout, 9 pounds, 11 ounces, 24 and a half inches long. And then I was like, okay, like I, th- I think Michigan's is right around there. Michigan's is uh, nine, 9 and a half pounds, 28. Point one inches long. Twenty eight. Caught ice. Caught ice fishing. In nineteen ninety six. Dude, wow. that is absolutely crazy. That's the size of the splake I just caught. <laughs> That's like the exact size. And of, and of course, there's no picture, dude. I don't know what it's like out in Wyoming. It sounds like it's probably pretty official, but dude, out here in Michigan there are like no pictures for all these state record fish. Like even within the last 30 years, there's really not many pictures of recent ones. And it's sketchy because from what I've heard back in like the sixties through like the nineties or maybe early two thousands. And somebody can correct me on this if they know, but apparently Michigan, the guy who like uh, overlooked all the records and stuff I think he broke one, and then one of his really close friends broke one or two other state records, and there's no pictures of any of these fish. Yeah. And it's just kind of super intriguing, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, it it wouldn't surprise me. And there's there's a lot of debate to a lot of records, Um, especially when it comes to uh, the Salvalinus species. That uh, that char genus, 
Um, especially Probably. last year, because the Colorado brook trout was broken three times last year. And Holy that shit. record was the longest stand, standing record. Um, it had been up since like the 40s or something. Um, and there's been so much debate to whether or not they were splake or brook trout. Some people thought it was a lake trout. All this stuff. And the only, the only true method is with either DNA testing or dissection. At least for splake and brook trout. And lake trout, those three. I'm just currently looking through the Wyoming uh, record fish book, or <laughs> state record. And your guys' rock bass record is only 12 and a half inches in, in a pound. Do you guys have a lot of rock no. bass? Or no, this is caught in Aridan County Ponds. I'm assuming probably No, not. I think there's like maybe two water bodies that have rock bass. I've never even seen one in this state. Dang. You guys... Your guys' smallmouth record isn't even over six pounds. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Five pounds, 0.94 ounces. Where, that was, that's got to be from the gorge, right? Flaming Gorge? Uh, Flaming Gorge, yeah, in 2003. Yeah, I know they're bigger than that, but nobody targets them in this state. That's so crazy. I know Dominic had, had like, caught some on the ghost, and those were fucking not small either. And I think Gage caught some, too, that were pretty fucking big. And I was like, damn, those are pretty fucking big smallmouth. Yep, those are all, uh, those are all Colorado fish. But yeah, they, those, guys, those guys hammer some big smallies. I wish I could get out with them more. Yeah, dude, that, I mean, your guys' fishing out there looks just absolutely phenomenal. And I know that probably comes with the region, like, guys, well... Guys down south probably don't care about anybody else's fishing, but I mean, like, guys are always like, oh, you have super clear water. I wish I could fish where you fish. And a lot of us are like, <clears throat> oh, Texas, Florida has, you know, these really big fish, or California, I wish we could go fish out there. And, dude, I, swim baits are not like the West, honestly, has just some absolutely crazy fishing opportunities, I think, that maybe aren't slept on. Maybe they're not like thought of. Because if they're just kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. But, like, if you want to catch a big-ass trout, there's really not many other places you're going other than, like, the the west the west states, I feel like. Yeah, any of the, any of the uh, high Rocky Mountain states. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. Oh. Especially, I would say, especially Wyoming, because we don't have many people at all. Like, our entire state is around 500,000 people. I wonder so, if it's legal to drink and drive out there. There's nobody oh, yeah. into. <laughs> if you, <laughs> you get a Dewey out here, and it's basically a slap on the wrist. That's so, so crazy. <clears throat> oh, my gosh, so crazy. Yeah. I think, I think in Colorado, it's a felony on your first one. You can get, like, four in Wyoming before <laughs> your first felony. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm, I'm like creeping through these, these state record uh, lists. Michigan state record muskie, 59 inches long with a girth of 29 inches, weighing 58 pounds. Good And Lord. if I remember right, this was... Uh, that's, that's not far off the world record, by the way. This was 11 years think. ago. They caught it on a homemade wooden plug. Dude, I'm going to send you a picture of this fish, and you are going to be like... That thing, that thing can't be real. 
Like, I remember seeing pictures of this when I was younger, and I'm like, that thing can't be real. Like, you're telling me those things are swimming in fucking lakes that I, I swim in? Like, fuck that. <laughs> Dude, just absolute mongoloid of a fish. What the hell? That's... That's insane. Dude, that fish is... That's as tall as he is. Dude, that fish is fucking massive. <laughs> uh, Dude, it's pretty, too. Absolutely crazy. With those spots. Yeah, the red fins on that thing are so pretty. Yep. Uh, Eclipsing our old record by only a couple of inches, but eight pounds. Oh my gosh. Jeez. Dude, the current world record muskie's 70 pounds. Wait, this has got to be like over in Sweden or something. Did they have, no, they don't have muskie over there. Pike out there. Uh, yep. Where the fuck? With the Michigan Department of Reef. No, this can't be the Michigan world record. Or state record. The the biggest one I've ever heard of being caught came from New York. And like Um uh, but it wasn't but it wasn't certified as a world record. I think the world record is from Wisconsin. World record the largest muskie ever caught weighed sixty nine pounds, fifteen ounces. This immense fish was caught in nineteen fifty seven in the St. Lawrence River by Arthur Larson. Fawson, how the fuck you say it? Dude. What fucking state record is this? Holy shit, this fish looks even bigger than the last one. Only, oh, it's only a 51-pound muskie. <laughs> Dude, yeah. a fish that... It's a little one. Like, so you would know, a fish, a, a muskie, a pike, uh, a tiger muskie, whatever it may be, a fish that's that long, that's breaking the 50-inch mark, like, on average, that's got to be, what, 25, 30-year-old fish? Mm, it depends on the... The region and, yeah. and climate, um, but yeah, up up there, that's that's an old fish for sure. Um, you know, <laughs> going back to lake trout in their age, um, there there's this, and it's and it's pretty rightful. Um, this narrative that their lake trout are extremely old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, if you catch a big one, it's at least 50 years old and all this stuff. Our lakes around here, um, at least the, the two good ones, they grow fast and die relatively young. Um, like the Utah state record was just caught a few years ago. Um, 50 something pounds. Oh my gosh. Uh, they aged it, and it was only 16 years old. Wow. I've personally aged crappie older than that. <laughs> Dude, that is crazy. Yeah, and if you look at the fish, uh, there's pictures of it. Um, it's got this little tiny head. It's a this little tiny head and then just this disgustingly obese body. Kind of like that world record that was just caught. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at the world record one right now. You can usually gauge if a fish is young or old by the size of their head, at least for lake trout. Yeah. Uh, Some other species as well. If they've got a giant head on them, they're usually pretty old. Hmm. Because they're... They're... If their body's growing or not growing, their head generally grows 
and continues to grow. Um, like I've seen a lot of Lakers with just like enormous heads and these little short bodies because they're just not growing very well. Yeah. But their head is. <laughs> Dude, that guy they, they look so weird too. Was twenty three pounds over the current state record and almost two and two pounds over the current world record lake trout. Caught it on ten pound line with a six inch tube. That is wild. That's just absolutely crazy. And they and they let that fucker go too. Which yeah. is even just I mean super cool, but that's just fucking crazy. Oh, he just pulled out the net. Yeah. This, this fish cannot fit in this fucking Frayville net he just pulled out. No way in hell. Yeah, I mean, for him to re- release it, that's that's pretty nice. Um, if it was my fish, I probably would have. I would have. Uh, I don't. I don't want to kill a fish like that, but I probably would have for that record. Because that fish is probably at the end of its life and probably will never be caught again. Yeah. Um, I actually heard a rumor. Um, don't quote me on this, but I heard a rumor that that fish at Blue Mesa uh, was found. They found it floating the next day. Yeah, I could see that. But like a world record, I to me that fish deserves to be in in the books. Yeah. And. I would I would try and turn it in. Um, I, I know that they they tried to turn that fish in. Um, they weighed it and then I think they sent in their scale to get uh, tested by the IGFA. But uh, they weighed it on the boat, so it's probably not going to count. Uh, the IGFA requires you to weigh them on land. Oh fuck, dude. That's crazy. I dude, I will say, like, going back and elaborating, I know I've said this, like, once or twice now. Your guys' is fishing, like, somebody just caught that fish. Uh, t- uh, <clears throat> fuck, what's his name? Uh, Taylor and Tyler just caught that pike out of, uh, fuck, Idaho? Yeah, Idaho. Like, mm-hmm. you guys just are pumping out some big fucking fish and it, se- and it seems like across the whole country like this year has been just an absolutely astounding year for fishing i mean and even even towards the tail end of last year they caught that 10 pound smallmouth up there in canada right on the edge uh canada and michigan i mean like and already this year <clears throat> i can say this year in michigan alone i've seen a seven pound largemouth in person I've seen two over six-pound smallmouth in person, and then the amount of 30-pound bags I've seen of smallmouth in Michigan this year is absolutely ridiculous. I know a guy who just caught a 719, um, a guy caught a nine and almost a nine-and-a-half-pound smallmouth a couple days ago, and guys are just dropping big sacks of smallmouth right now and it's just it's absolutely wild i don't know what's so special about this year maybe because we had a super dull winter and the fish are just rebounding like crazy like they are just ready to eat they kind of ate all through winter and now they're putting on their feed sack post spawn but dude there are some serious fish being caught across the whole country right now yeah it's i can speak for myself it's been well, the last year has been unusually good. Um, 
I've been struggling the last few years, and then all of a sudden it was like flip of a switch. Things started going my way finally. Yeah. Especially I... this ice season. This ice season was incredible. I, I mean, it started off with, um, with that PB walleye I got, and then it it just continued. Yeah, dude. It. I don't know what it is. Well, this ice fishing season sucked. I got to go out once because we barely had any safe ice. But fish are just popping off. The whole east side of the state or whole east side of the country is catching a lot of big fish. I mean, dude. So in the in the new zine. In the last one, what was there, like 21 PBs or something like that? I want to say this next one got up to number 70. Like, they, there are so many fucking pins on that map <laughs> that it, it's like it's getting to be hard to put put multiple pins in, multiple, or in, in single states because there's so many pins, like, around Texas. There's so many pins in the mass area. Like, it is absolutely wild. And, I mean... I've caught big fish this year already, and I've caught, dude, even just the number of fish that I've caught this year, like on glide baits and on, on that throwback Woody and um, Daniel Clickbait had even sent me uh, that little two-piece crank-down little bait that I I don't even know if he's actually going to make those, but I know the only person I know that has one is Wayne, and dude, I fished mine yesterday, got it yesterday, fished it yesterday, and that bait is pretty fucking sweet you know I'm, I'm not into burning baits but i was burning that one then you could dead walk it and i mean i lost i caught two fish and i lost two or three more in a matter of like an hour and a half like i don't know what it is man but this year is the year of numbers in in quantity and quality like it's so wild it's been great for me except for bass <laughs> i just caught my first uh first large and smallmouth last well my first largemouth was uh, a couple days ago, and then my first smallie was the week before. So it was. This is like the latest in the year. I've I've caught my first bass. Uh, everything else has been great though. Just those fucking bass. Those don't even count out. It it also doesn't help that I don't have them anywhere around me in Wyoming. I've got to drive. I've got to drive uh, probably two hours uh, to catch either in Wyoming. I can go south to Colorado, uh, but I hate fishing in that state. There's just it's just so many people everywhere. Do they have? a special license for you guys to cross state lines and not have to buy another license? Or do you have to drop $300 and buy a Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, Idaho no. license? They, they kind of make like a quad state version. No, you got to get one for every state. Those sons of bitches. Yeah, it gets expensive, especially Wyoming. I'm glad I'm a Wyoming resident because resident, yeah. our non-resident license is like $110. Um, and then if you want to fish on the reservation, it's like another ridiculous amount on top of that. And what's, what's your resident Wyoming resident license cost? Oh, it's not bad at all. Um, I want to say like maybe 40 bucks. 
Jesus, wow. forty bucks. That's that's like Michigan's is like twenty three. <laughs> oh God, Colorado's is sixty. Are you serious? It's ridiculous. Well, for in, in like residential license is sixty dollars. Yeah. yeah. Dude, the, the annual parks pass was eighty five. Are you serious? The amount that they charge, and and the prices keep going up every year. Um, they just keep increasing the fees and then give less and less in return. It it blows my mind. Now they're they're starting to add um, aquatic invasive species stamps that you have to or stickers you have to put on your boat. That's oh, an, I saw that. That's an extra thirty bucks. They just nickel and dime you, and it gives gives us nothing in return. It, it, things just keep getting worse every year. It blows my mind. Dude, that is crazy. I could see that going back to like the population thing. I could see them charging, you know, fifty, sixty dollars in Wyoming because they're probably not going to sell as many, but they need the funds to do fish scientist stuff. Yeah. But to have so many people in Colorado, and I'm sure people visit there and, and buy a day or a week fishing license. It's like, oh, I'm in Colorado. I'm going to go try to catch a trout. Yeah. But to, to upcharge for that, for the population, and I mean, people, a lot of people, I'm sure, visit Colorado, you know, whether that be Denver or wherever. And probably, probably like I said, buy a day or a week long. They probably sell so many that they could get away with, with swapping with you guys and selling a 40 $40, you know, residential at least. Like, don't screw the people that fucking live there and want to experience what you guys have to offer. Like, Yeah. Something that uh, really pissed me off in the last two years. Um, Colorado is, like, over-the-top protective um, when it comes to aquatic invasive species like mussels. Yeah. Um, so they have started putting in spike strips um, at the entrances of state parks to prevent people from launching uh, outside of when they want you to. Um, so they're, they're spending tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, at every lake to put in spike strips to pop your tires all these insane gates uh just to keep people out it it blows my mind that's with with all of that money that could have been spent you know hiring more boat inspectors you know doing more more boat inspections so people can launch whenever they want yeah. I'm, I fished my home lake the other day. I couldn't get on the water until 8 o'clock in the morning. So I missed the entire morning topwater bite. Damn. And do they do they have somebody there, like like a car inspector that checks the underside of your boat, makes sure your live walls are empty and yeah. everything like that? Yeah. I actually used to do that. That was my my first job, my first summer job out of high school was doing that. Hmm. It's and has that you've been there for a while, so you obviously can have a background knowledge in this. Has that helped the um, combat of 
uh, these invasive species getting moved around from watershed to watershed? Uh, I, it's probably, yeah, I would say it's helped. However, uh, one lake by me, or by my hometown, um, it, it's one of the most strict lakes. It was one of the first to implement the boat ramp hours. Um, you know, prior to this, if you had a, a seal and receipt, um, it's a little wire they put around your boat. Um, that lets them know that you were already inspected when you got off the lake. If you had that, they had a little drop box where you could put that and you could launch whenever you wanted. Um, that, that system was awesome, but they did away with that. And this lake was one of the first ones to do away with that. And they closed the ramps, uh, put up all these gates and everything. They just got infested with mussels last fall oh, and zebra mussels yeah which are aren't even found anywhere remotely close to colorado what the fuck <laughs> like the biggest threat is lake powell which has quagga mussels which are a completely different species um and is actually very close to that lake too um but zebra mussels was I have no idea where they would have come from. It must have been a boat from the Midwest. Great Lakes, yeah. Or somewhere I think out here. Kansas and Nebraska, I think they have them. Uh, those are probably the closest places. It, I will say, um, <clears throat> you, you might, this, this is definitely your side of TikTok. Uh, I watched this video the other day talking about how, and I talked about it last episode, but... It was this video talking about how the the accidental introduction of zebra mussels was like the best thing ever for Great Lakes smallmouth. Yeah. It uh... <laughs> <laughs> just just because like the way they explained it obviously was Mussels came in, zebra mussels filter out water, made the water super clean. That means the sun got to go down, grow vegetation in deeper water while also clearing the water, making smallmouth uh, become even better uh, visual hunters and being able to uh, eat a lot more forage than they used to and being able to venture out not while also being deeper where guys couldn't catch them as easy as like being up in two feet of of uh like flats and shit that they used to be up in 20 30 years ago whenever mussels came in but i mean that's all perspective i mean i've lost some fucking swim baits on zebra mussels and i'm not gonna say that i'd give a shit if we had them or not if the smallmouth fishing was any better than it is now or was oh, I yeah. guess. um from a man of science um it's definitely not something you want um, I mean, there are certain species that can benefit from them, um, and there's also certain species where it's catastrophic for them. Um, one of those is walleye. Walleye do not do well um, when mussels get introduced. Uh, one, oh, really? one major example of that is Malax. Um, I think that's in Minnesota. Uh, walleye numbers there have crashed since... Zebra mussels got introduced there. Um, so walleye, they 
tend to do better in, you know, stained to dirty water um, because of how their eyes are set up. Um, and with the muscles getting in there and clearing up the water, they, I mean, in clear water, walleye are pretty much blind. Um, can't see a damn thing. And on top of that, uh, the zebra mussels, they filter out all of the plankton, um, particularly the zooplankton, that juvenile fish need to eat. Um, so it, there have been studies that have shown it has decreased uh, growth of walleye by like 40%. Um, it, it's, yeah, it can, it can be pretty catastrophic for some species, but you know there are there are some that benefit from it uh when it comes to the great lakes i would say the biggest thing that has helped the smallmouth is the gobies gobies uh, yeah and lake the trout. gobies were kind of um i don't know exactly my my history on this but um the gobies were introduced as well um and they eat the mussels and mm -hmm. they they took off and are everywhere uh but but the yeah. smallmouth and walleye uh well everything any predator in there uh they go to town on those gobies yeah and going off this i was going to actually say this earlier but i forgot to i'm glad you brought it up so lake trout here from do you guys have alewife by chance alewife alewives however you say it uh there's not in not in Wyoming or Colorado. Nebraska has a couple places that have them. Yeah, so those were introduced. So the the salmon and, and quote unquote steelhead, aka just Lake Michigan yeah. rainbow trout. So they could they could have food once they kind of cut down on the popular like the pollution and shit in the Great Lakes. So they planted these alewife alewives alewife however you want to say it in this in the Lake Michigan, and all these fish you know ate them all up for the past you know 40 50 years and the lake trout grew accustomed to eating eating these alewives and <clears throat> however a lake trout is like bio biologically <laughs> biologically built like these alewives give them a very greasy meat like it's you know just downright almost unpleasant to eat obviously it's like an, a, a taste that some people like but whatever yeah. it may be um, and, and recently, the alewives have started to kind of be on the decline, and that's uh, kind of hurt the hurt the salmon steelhead population. But these lake trout have adapted, and now they eat gobies. And now it's not uncommon to hear hear charters go out there, and like before, guys would be like, "Oh, like damn it, dude! Like we caught a two man limit of lake trout, whatever." Like you know, clients wanted to keep them, so we kept them. But now, dude, they are like guys catch lake trout and they're fucking happy because these gobies kind of morphed these lake trout into being a super, super tasty table well, tableware. Fuck, how, how's that go? Table worthy yeah. fish, I guess. Yeah, and it's like they're super good. They're not oily. They kind of are like buttery and like just, just what they used to be like. And on top, like you said, the bass. Dude, largemouth and smallmouth lose their shit over gobies. I mean, I caught 
I used to uh, like, and it's it's common practice for people to to live line gobies and and catch just you know just absurd five six pound smallmouth and just the same size largemouth off the pier heads, and then that also kind of goes into like. Those smallmouth really don't want to eat a tube or a drop shot because they've got six size three Aldine hooks in their face from people live lining gobies and snapping <laughs> off on them. And I think that's what has made like the taxi trout and the 250 and the Hinkle and, and these other baits like so just fish magnets out on the pier heads of Lake Michigan because it's something a little bit different and they just are fucking keyed in on it. it it's not the same goby that they've seen dropped in front of them and shit this is something new it resembles a trout it's trying to escape it's not just sitting there in their face like they want to chase this thing down and it i don't know man i wish i had like an idea of exactly why it's so effective but it's literally like you type in a cheat code in in a into a video game man it is just off the hook yeah. wild yeah for sure um Oh, that that whole lake trout, um, the lake trout and gobies and alewives. That uh, oh, that's a big complicated thing. Um, <laughs> from what I've been told, and there's, gosh, the lake trout were almost um, extirpated from the Great Lakes, um, at least in a couple of yeah. them. Um, and there were there were a few factors with that. One of them was, uh, I think it was the sea lamprey. Um, yeah, we still have. Yeah, them. those things are scumbags. I fucking hate uh, them, dude. I'll 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 catch pike in my river, which is like super inland, and I'll go to put my hand in, in the gill plate to hold them for a picture, and you just oh man, I'm just I just fucking quiver thinking about it, dude. You feel those fuckers in their gill plates? Oh yeah, that I would not like that. You fucking nope. pull your hand out of there so fast, and they detach, and I just curse yeah. out, dude. Or if I if I got my knife, I'll cut them in half, and I'll throw them in the middle. Like I'll throw them up in the woods. Oh my gosh, I hate those fuckers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would. Ugh. They're. I mean, I I tend to like all fish, but those things are disturbing. Um, another thing with that and the alewives. Um, alewives are. Very high in thymonase, uh, which is a uh, enzyme that breaks down thymine, mm-hmm. which is a very essential vitamin to cell function. Um, so when those the lake trout started preying on all those alewives, they were taking on all that thymonase from the alewives, and then that gets passed down into their. Uh, into their gametes, their eggs and everything. And it pretty much makes sure that there's basically no reproduction. Like if you have if you have thymonase in your um in the eggs and everything, those fish are those fry are just not going to develop properly and they're they're gonna die. Really? Um so that that was one of the major things with them um that's actually happening right now off the coast off the coast of california um with winter run chinook salmon uh they're they're following the same thing 
um, but they're eating anchovies um, at an unusual rate, um, and they're they've found them having high concentrations of thiamine um, in their hatcheries and everything, because they they those those fish over there with all the dams and everything they have like no natural reproduction anymore, um, so the biologists will go out and collect all the salmon that run up the river and then manually spawn them in the hatchery. Mm-hmm. Um, they noticed that they were having like low hatch rates and then the ones that were hatching um, would just like all of a sudden start spiraling in the, in the tank and then die. So they were like, uh, there's something wrong here. <laughs> and then they, they went back and, all the fish were just loaded with thymonase. So it can be, it can be very detrimental. Um, And that's, and then another major factor was all the damn uh, commercial fishing on the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. That was another major decline for them. Dude, we've talked about it before. The amount of money Michigan brings in, uh, Michigan uh, charter income, or like the amount of money it brings into the economy, economy is you just absolutely. I want to say it was upwards of almost two billion dollars. Michigan charter economy, I guess intact is what we'll put. Um. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, so especially the 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 trout and salmon guys. Yeah, dude, that's like all, dude. I, I oh my gosh, I need to fucking formulate a sentence here. So all <laughs> the all the marinas I fish up at home, there's there's obviously a bunch of dock slips or boat slips, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, you got your normal people with, like, jet boat or, like, uh, ski boats and stuff like that. But, dude, say say I'm fishing a 30-slip marina. I will put money on 20 of those boats being big lake boats, whether it's charters or, you know, families that just spend their weekends out there. Literally, charter, like, salmon and steel, big lake fishing, so Lake Michigan trolling is, like, if you talk to somebody and you say, Oh yeah, I I went fishing. You know, I fished before. You know, hundred times or hundred percent, they definitely mean that they were out on the big lake trolling in a boat. Like, like people, yeah. people just associate that with with fishing in Michigan. It's just is in Wisconsin too, because Wisconsin obviously shares the same fucking lake we have, and it just is like that's that's the main thing when people are like, oh, do you want to go fishing? And people automatically have it in the mind like, oh, we're going to go, we're going to go on one of those big, you know, 30 foot boats that has a cabin and we're going to go out and listen to radio while we just drive around to three miles an hour in the middle of the lake, try not to bump into anybody and catch, catch a 30 pound salmon. It's like, oh no, there's, believe it or not, there's more to fishing than just that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't do any of that. That's to me. That's too boring to me. I hate trolling. It's it's interesting. I'm not a huge fan of it. I've only done it a handful of times, and it's like, okay, like I'd be completely content if I didn't come do this again for this year. Like once once or twice a year, it's fun, but 
outside of that, it's just like, fuck, dude, we're literally just dragging spoons 300 feet down. Like, this takes literal, literally just not a lick of luck or uh, essentially a lick of skill from the person who's, like, catching the fish. Like, the, obviously, the guide has to know where the fish are, like, no, have an idea of colors and what rigs, like if it's a meat rig or a spoon or how deep they need to run the downriggers of the lead core and stuff. So that obviously takes skill. But, like, just as far yeah. as going out there, watching them set up the rods and just sitting there waiting for them to hand you a pole, like, I don't know, man. It's it's interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, it can be it can be pretty intricate. And um, a lot of times it's it's by far the best method or most effective method. Um, my buddy that guides on Flaming Gorge, um, he's got he's got like three live scopes. Um, yeah, uh, and he will troll. Uh, that lake has trophy on top of trophy lake trout. It has trophy kokanee. Oh. Um, the amount of six pound kokanee I saw last year was insane. Um, that seemed like every day I was seeing somebody catching a six, five, six pound kokanee. Um, he will troll and have his live scope on forward mode and point it backwards, uh, behind his boat. So you can watch all of the fish coming up to the baits that they're trolling. That, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. (laughs) I wouldn't mind doing that. Yeah, dude, that would be fun. That would that that would be really fun. Yeah, and I've been out there with him before, and you can like count count down. Like you see a fish, and you're like, okay, three, two, and then the rod doubles over. That that's a little more exciting than traditional trolling. Yeah, and and speaking of exciting here, you know, we kind of we we've touched on a little bit, but we've been diving into some fish science, uh, swim baits the name of the game here yeah. <laughs> so you being in the west like what was your first experience with the swim bait how did you how did you stumble across them how did you find out what they were was it like on youtube or did you see some you see mike shaw out there with a slammer trolling <laughs> for lake trout one day oh uh, actually i've i <laughs> mike shaw um he he lives in Manila, Utah, which is um, yep. at Flaming Gorge. I was out there with my buddy, and there was this guy driving so slow. We're like, what is this guy doing? We finally got to a passing lane, and we pass him, and it's this truck, and it's just plastered with MS Slammer. I'm like, there's no way. And we finally, like, oh my we gosh, finally get around him, and I was like, that was Mike Shaw. Are you kidding me? He makes my slammers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that yeah, I, I've been fishing my whole life um, to, as long as I could walk. Um, there's pictures of me like two, three years old on the boat with my dad. Um, and I kind of grew up almost sheltered in the fishing community. Um, my, I, I mean, I learned everything from my dad. Um, he was 
big time bass guy, tournament guy, um, but also never wanted to spend much on gear. Um, so he would, most of what he used was just jigs, plastics, turner baits, and he made them all himself. Oh damn! So yeah, he had a he had a little bait company um, called Global Worming Baits. Instead of global warming, it's global worming. Um, so he made he made everything himself, and that's that's kind of what I was raised on was just using that kind of stuff. Um, and then one year, our my grandpa used to get everybody in the family a one hundred dollar gift card to Cabela's for Christmas every year. Mm-hmm. So I was looking through um the catalog one year i was like whoa that thing that that lure right there that thing's sick and it was a uh spro bbz uh there was the trout and the shad Mm -hmm. those were the those were the first ones i bought um, because, you know, growing up in western Colorado, we got so many trout and um, a lot of pike to eat them. So I was like, okay, that that trout should work for, for the pike that we have. And then the shad, I was like, I could, I could use that at Lake Powell when we go over there chasing stripers and, and bass there. Yeah. Um, so I, I finally got them, and I I didn't have a swim bait set up or anything like that. I was just slinging them on a seven-foot medium, um, and I cast it off that trout, like, first five minutes. Classic. Uh, so never caught anything on that. And then I, I went many years without buying or using another swim bait. Um, I, I never even really knew what they were mm-hmm. until like the last five years, maybe. I've, I'm pretty late to the party. Um, most of my life has been dedicated to uh, basketball and athletics um, up until probably like 2016. My whole life was basketball, anything in my free time. I was training, working my ass off, um, anything with that. So getting back into, and I, I fished, you know, every once in a while, whenever my dad wanted to go out and get a limit of crappie or something, um, I'd tag along, but I didn't get serious into fishing until the mid 2010s, um, I want to say, I want to say I was looking through the the, the Cabela's catalog again, and I saw <laughs> this duck. I was like, "What the hell is that?" It was the suicide duck from Savage Gear. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm gonna need that." Um, and then I, in researching it, I found the 
Savage Gear YouTube channel. And I don't know if anybody listening knows what I'm talking about, but when Savage Gear started to get big in the late 2010s there, their YouTube channel had the sickest promotions uh, with Mads. The uh, He's like the... Mads Grossell, he's like the owner of Savage Gear over there. In, uh, I think he's in Sweden or something. Sweden? Yeah, that's what they I would, thought, Sweden. They would film these videos out there with Pike. Um, obviously in these places that are completely untouched by humans. Where if there's hit yeah. anything that moves. Um, they had these awesome YouTube videos. And I was just going through their channel. And seeing all these different baits that they made, and then uh, getting into tactical bassin on top of that, seeing some of the swimmates they made, um, I, I eventually started getting more into that. Um, probably 2018 is when I really got into swim baits and got my first swimbait rod. Um, First swimbait fish, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I can't remember. I don't remember my first swimbait fish. It probably was on a, probably on a shine glide. Um, and that would that would have been at Lake Powell in Utah. Damn, dude, and. Lake Powell, so if it was a couple of years ago, what was that lake setting up like? Because, like, so I remember last year you sharing on Facebook, like, how sad it was for it to be just, you know, like, 10% pool, and now it's starting to be, like, on an upswing. So what was it like when you had started fishing it with swim baits? What was it setting up like back then? Or, like, around around that time what was it like compared to now or what it had been the previous year oh excuse me i just took some <laughs> whiskey wrong, <clears throat> wrong. Oh, god <laughs> um wow lake powell that's that's like my second home um i was kind of my my dad and I used to fish that all the time. Um, he and I used to do tournaments there when I was in middle school. Um, it that lake is it's one of the most incredible places on earth. Um, people that are listening and have been there know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, it's the second largest reservoir in the U.S. It's just absolutely enormous. Um, I think it's 186 miles long, oh. around 2,000 miles of shoreline. Um, I mean, it went, going from one end to the other took six hours by boat. I mean, it, it's just... And the average depth, I when it's full, the average depth I want to say is like 250 feet. It's it's insane. Um, 
so I I grew up fishing it all the time, and the biologist at the lake, um, his name is Wayne Gus Davison. He is kind of a pioneer of striper management inland. Um, he was like one of the first to stock stripers in freshwater and manage them. Um, he's the one that inspired me to go into fisheries biology. Um, he has a, a website called Wayne called Wayne's words. And it's just all this up to date info on the lake, all these fishing reports and all this stuff. And he, uh, would talk about the work that they do, um, on the lake as a fisheries biologist. So that's how I learned what a fisheries biologist was. I was like, that's sick. That's what I want to do with my life. So, yeah. um, he's kind of been an idol to me growing up. And then, <clears throat> uh, once I graduated from my, uh, junior college, he was looking for a technician to help him. And I applied and got the job. So I got to live at Lake Powell and work for him, which was a dream come true. I never I never thought I'd even so get to meet him, let alone work for him and fish with him. So I got to live there yeah. for a whole year. And uh that was that was twenty eighteen. That was when I first started getting into swim baits. Um I had a lot more money to spend on swim baits with the money I was making there. And I wanna say the lake was that was still from today. It was probably still seventy or eighty feet higher. Um, Holy! It was shit. probably a hundred feet higher from where it was in April. Yeah, wow. and even then, that was eighty feet below full pool. Um, it's I've never seen it full pool in my life. I would like to someday. Um, I don't think it's been there since maybe the eighties, maybe the nineties, but it's, it's, I think it's right around 30% of full pool right now. And it's still, it's still 450 feet deep at the dam. Dude, that's it's, so fucking crazy. It's mind it's mind blowing. It's wild. And the fishing there is just so good. It's never bad. Yeah. Had had Wayne known about swim baits or like No. Not really. No. Really? And I whenever I would show him one, uh one of the first ones I got was the the Savage Gear line through Gizzard Shad. Yeah. Um, I showed him that, and he was, like, almost confused. He was like, what are you going to catch with that? Really? I was like, I don't know. I'm like, you should, you should know what I'm going to catch with yeah, that. Yeah, like, that's, I, I guess I'm, in, I'm intrigued that, uh, 
He, he was he's super he's super super old school. Okay. I think he's I think he's about eighty years old right now. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, he was the biologist there for forty five years. Um, he, yeah, he was in his seventies. So, a lot of the the new swim baits and stuff that was not in his time. His wheelhouse, yeah. But I'm still like, huh intrigued that he like i guess that he was like kind of blown away or surprised because like he he knows what's swimming around in this lake as far as like bait fish and stuff i would have think yeah. his approach would kind of been like oh my gosh like there's something that you are literally just matching the forge with to a t onto a size scale yep. and a realism scale and i guess probably like if like you said if he was you know, probably 50 years old, mid 40s, and you would have shown him this. He probably would have had a better grasp to concept with it, I bet. And yeah, that's, I that's probably so. Um, he, I don't know, he, he liked, he probably laughed at it because he knew it was over the top. Yeah. And I didn't need yeah. it. Um, you know, that Lake Powell, it's so big that I'm willing to bet most fish there have never even seen a lure. Really? Because um, most people that go there aren't fishing. Yeah. They're going there houseboating or skiing. Um, and there's there's so much water in there that's so remote. Like, there's a river arm of it, uh, the San Juan. It is, gosh... Like sixty miles, the mouth of it's like sixty miles from the marina, um, either marina, and they have a buoy that says, pretty much says, "Enter at your own risk," because there's no, if something happens to you, you're screwed in here. Yeah. Because, I mean, they don't have mile marker buoys in that uh, that arm. There's damn sure no cell service. There's nothing. Um, so. Fish in there are never seeing lures mm-hmm. whatsoever. I mean, occasionally people will go in there, but it's there's just so much water and so many fish. So I'm like I'm scroll. I type just typed in Lake Powell uh, swim baits, and I was trying to see something on uh, on YouTube, but there's like there's nothing, dude. I mean, there's guys fishing a rigs and stuff for stripers, but that's probably me. There, there's literally like just nothing on here regarding swim baits at all, which is. Was so, that a link to a YouTube video? Uh, Colorado Fisher. Yeah, I'm in that video. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the second one that popped up. Yep. That was that was the one that popped up with the A rigs, but like, dude, it's so crazy, like how. Yeah, I threw. Tap out there. Yeah, I was throwing some glides in that video too. Yeah, it. I even a rigs. People were kind of mind blown because oh um, I the boat ramp is fucking three miles long. Once you park your truck, you got to walk back. Oh, well, I guess they had to pave it that long so when the water is low and when it is high. That boat ramp is miserable. <laughs> Walking up that. Cracking, oh my god! Bass, is his name? Who? Uh, cranking bass, cracking bass. Uh, that sounds familiar. A R A K E N bass. Kraken. Yeah. 
That sounds familiar. I'm just I'm like the thumbnails playing of him walking. Uh, I think I'm like 40 seconds in, and he's still walking down the fucking boat right now. Yeah, yeah, it's at least half a mile long. It when when the lake is low, at least. Yeah, that's yeah. Crazy. And my dad, my dad made sure that I was the one launching, so <laughs> I had to walk it. Oh, smart guy. <laughs> um, so what? What year did you say you got the Shine Glide? You say like 2018, 2019? Yeah, that would have been 2018. That was my first glide for sure. Did you catch fish on the glide bait? Like, or was it like, yeah, oh, like this fucking sucks. Like, I want a swimmer or something. Yeah, I caught, I caught a handful of fish on it. Um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing back then. I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got this I've got this picture. Um there was one day they sent me on a a work trip uh five miles or uh five hours up lake um to the other marina. Mm-hmm. So after work I obviously was gonna go out and fish. And I was just fishing off the docks up there and I could see I could see all these thread fins flickering on the surface like something was chasing them you know they were they were doing um all kinds of evasive maneuvers and whatnot to try and get away and I could see these smallmouth just going to town on them I mean it was like watching <laughs> it was like watching killer whales um, chasing seals, yeah. they just torpedoes coming in at these thread fins, and I was sitting there, and I was like, "Yeah, any minute the stripers are going to show up." And not even fifteen minutes later, the stripers show up, and this whole area around the docks just erupts into a boil um, or feeding frenzy, and I had. Two shine glides tied on. I had the five inch on one rod, the seven inch on another rod, and then a TK on a third rod. And I threw in there pretty much as soon as it hits the water. I hook up. And I was taught when you're fishing those feeding frenzies with stripers, don't even attempt to get them unhooked. Just set your rod down and pick up a new rod. (laughs) <laughs> so that's what I did, and I just picked up every rod and three straight casts. I caught some pretty healthy stripers on on swim baits. Um, so that was that was the first TK fish I caught too. Um, yeah, that that was one of my more rem- memorable days out on that lake. Uh, I oh, there was. I vividly remember this largemouth that was with those stripers. Just and you know, largemouth are so lazy. Um, they're just picking off like the injured shad, falling, falling down. This largemouth, one of the biggest largemouth I've ever seen. I mean, it had to have been seven. Um, followed my shine glide all the way to my feet. I mean, it it could have licked it. 
It was so close to it. And then just turned away. I was like, oh my word. That fish. Uh, it still keeps me up at night. Yeah, I mean, is it hard to go from striper, like getting off the lake and going back home? And, or maybe maybe not even necessarily home, but like going to where you only have mouth like is that is that a shitty feeling like our striper kind of the king in your heart or our pike oh yeah stripers are are top three for me for sure um pike are my number one for sure uh yeah stripers stripers are a treat i mean they they just never get old um, and we don't have Colorado doesn't have any place that has stripers anymore. Um, they used to stock them. They've all died off by now. Uh, Wyoming damn sure doesn't have any. They don't have any any species in the Maroon genus, which bugs me big time. Um, so yeah, leaving that lake to come here, it sucks. I daydream about going back pretty much every day of my life. And <clears throat> it's like, I was just discussing this with my roommate um, a couple hours ago. It's probably, uh, it's probably like eight or nine hours away from where I am now. Not terribly far, but that's still too far. Damn, dude. I mean... I mean, I I definitely know what you mean. Like I, I fucking I moved unfortunately, and it's just like I went back home a couple weeks ago and I got to fish and I absolutely pounded the fish, and it was just like fuck, dude. Like, why did I move? <laughs> I I'm missing out on such good fishing right now. Like I was just here for a day, picked a spot that I think the fish were gonna be, or picked a watershed that I thought the fish were gonna be. And lo and behold, here they are right now. Like, what would have happened if I would have been dialed for the last, you know, month? I probably realistically could have caught a seven-pound large or seven-pound smallmouth and probably a mid-six-pound largemouth if I would have been able to, you know, know and kind of learn what the or figure out what these fish were doing this year up at home. Like, the water opportunities up there just tenfold trump these fucking spots i have down here it's just not even comparative dude not even in the same realm of of fish it's just so bizarre exactly that's yeah i lived so the following year i lived in south dakota um and that's how i i feel about that state it was that place that's home to me that uh was the year I lived there, that was unbelievable, what I experienced. Um, just the diversity of, of fish and quality of fish. The fishing community there in the upper Midwest is just completely different than anything around here. Like, our, our Arby's in town had uh, walleye and pheasant decor. The... The Wendy's had a muskie on the wall, yeah. a stuffed muskie. Are you kidding me? This is nothing like back home. Damn, dude. It's like, I don't know. It's just so, so interesting to 
The fishing, the fishing is just otherworldly compared to yeah. where it is here. Yeah, man. I in in going off of that, when you got into the swim baits and you were catching like striper and bass and stuff, did you ever anticipate being in an area where uh, where trout were so sufficient that you were going to catch them? You know, catch so many big big trout on swim baits and stuff, or had it always been like kind of that mm, that like first tier predator fish like you know like striper bass pike or or did you always have in the back of your head like oh i could probably murder some trout on these baits if i wanted to or if if i was in that area um i i didn't think i would be in this situation um it's <laughs> i don't want to say it's my worst nightmare having only trout but um, it's, your it's not, it's not ideal in my mind, but I, it's what I'm stuck with. Um, and luckily the trout that I do have are not small. Um, I wouldn't say, at least in my mind, I, I have such high standards for fish <laughs> over the years. Um, I wouldn't say a lot of the ones I've caught are big. Um, other people may disagree. I've just caught so many. Um, if I never caught another rainbow in my life, I would be so content. I've I've caught enough for like two lifetimes. Um, but yeah, if if there's any fish that eats other fish, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna throw swim baits for them. Like, uh, even crappie. I've thrown swim baits for crappie. Um, and I'm, I'm a multi-species angler. I don't, I don't get the point in, spe- in fishing for one species your whole life. I, that just gets boring to me. I like to change it up, change, fish for other species. You know, I've got, in my notes on my iPhone, I've got a list of species that I've caught in the year. I've set a goal to catch a certain amount of species every year. Um, and if I can catch most of them on swim baits, that makes it even better. Yeah. And I don't know if guys aren't familiar with who you are, they're going to, you know, check out your Instagram page and they're going to say, Holy shit. Where is this guy at that he's catching you know, these splake and stuff on TKs or rainbows on 175s. <laughs> like, dude, I, I think, like, I would consider you to be kind of like a quote-unquote underground guy. Like, I guess probably not everybody in the country knows who you are. But I feel like they would, they, like I said, they would visit your page and they would be like, what in the absolute hell? Like, these aren't bass or pike or, you know, calico uh, or... uh, uh pickerel like what the fuck is this guy doing and how is he catching these non quote-unquote non-game fish on these swim baits like it's such a such a cool perspective and obviously it's not it's not crazily cool to you but like it is pretty wicked to to see big trout get caught onto a swim bait because it's just so not common it's just it's a niche thing inside of a bigger niche thing, I guess. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that it's also nice though, living where I live because I'm the only one doing yeah. it. Um, I I guess a couple of my friends have started doing it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm. <laughs> it's it's pretty amazing being the only one throwing swim baits on a lake. Um, like this this other lake by me. Um, it's the lake I caught that splake from. It also has tiger muskie, um, and it has double-digit brown trout. Um, if there are any other people out there when I'm there, they're fishing, like, power bait, spoons, spinners, that kind of stuff, yeah. just trying to catch a, a stalker mm -hmm. trout. So it's it's kind of a blessing being the only swim baiter in pretty much the state. Yeah. Um, I know there's a couple guys that throw them here and there. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, and I guess probably another thing that people don't realize is you're catching a lot of these fish from shore, right? Oh, yeah. Which uh, is just... Oh, dude, that's icing on the cake. I, the people that have listened this far and hear that part and, like, go through your page and look, they're going to be like, holy shit, like, he's doing this from shore, not not from a bass boat or a deep V lund or, you know, whatever it may be. He's doing this from the bank, which I think is so kick-ass, dude. That's so cool. Yeah. I I really hate that I have to fish from shore, but, Yeah. That's that's what I'm kind of stuck with. I do own a bass boat, um, but I don't have anything to tow it with or any place to store it in my current situation. Um, I wasn't planning on getting a bass boat. Um, I abruptly inherited it. Um, so I... Yeah, I, I, I wasn't planning on having it or using it yeah. um at yeah. this at this point in my life so yeah i'm i've been shore banging i've been flirting with the idea of getting a paddleboard um or the wave man yeah yeah join the join it you got to you got to embrace it and do it. <laughs> it's gonna be a cold yep. tune <laughs> uh, especially because yeah. some of the some of the lakes I fish, especially that one with the the tiger muskie and splake, uh, boats aren't even allowed on that lake. Even if you have one, so um, having anything floating is a major advantage there. Yeah, dude, that would be. I Marshall's gonna come up here in the next couple of weeks, and we are gonna try to catch a mother, or try to catch a mother, try to catch a muskie on the paddle boards. That's that's gonna be one of the goals a day is, is oh, trying to tangle with one of those on a paddle board. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be scary if you get and one. <laughs> the good, yeah, the good news is there isn't many huge ones. There's a lot of from what I know and what I've heard and when they get stocked and stuff, they kind of get stunted out at like that you know, big, quote-unquote big, they kind of stunt out at like that 30-inch one. So a nice, well-respectable fish 
but one that's not gonna, uh, you know, really thrash around, pop my paddleboard, and make me lose all my belongings on it. Essentially, <laughs> you know, yeah, catching one of those fifty-nine inches like the state record, fucking on a paddleboard. Exactly. Yep, for sure. Oh, there was something I was going to ask you. Oh, oh, I I don't know if you've posted about this. I I don't, you don't really post much as far as like stuff that's going on recently. But what was it, two weeks ago when you just went on an absolute pike bender and just beat the piss out of them? Uh, yeah, that was, that was one of the most epic pike bites I've experienced. The fish you were sending Um, me that you guys are just tossing back. I was like, what the hell? You're sending me rising suns and stuff that are just literally like you took a straight razor to it and just diced them up. Like absolutely insane, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the the lakes in my home area. Um, I went home for a couple of weeks to visit, help my mom out with a few things. Um, obviously fish, because I don't have any pike near me in Wyoming. Um, and we have, it's, it seems to be kind of under the radar anymore. Um, Probably because it's starting to go downhill. But Colorado used to be one of the top top states for pike in the U.S. Um, I vividly remember an In Fisherman article where they counted down the, their top ten destinations for pike. And Colorado was in that top ten. Um, that, that record that was just yeah. caught from Idaho, we have fish in that that caliber caught i believe it every year probably i i've seen like and it's not just one it's like a dozen every year um pushing 40 pounds because they're just going to town on those stock stock trout and perch um anything they can they can find um so we've we're such an underrated pike state and it's so unfortunate because Colorado Parks and Wildlife has turned their back against pike, um, and they've kind of labeled them as an invasive species. Uh, they have a couple lakes now with bounties on them, where it's twenty dollars a head. Um, and most of these lakes are st- are lakes that they stocked them in, um, and they've. These pike have done nothing wrong. They haven't hurt a single fishery in this state. Um, They've done nothing but help it, which is what they were stocked for. They were stocked to improve trout fisheries because a lot of our fisheries, once you build a reservoir and there are suckers Mm -hmm. in the lake, they just explode. For some reason... Suckers in reservoirs just explode. Where if it was like a normal river or creek, they would be in lower numbers. Um, so they started stocking pike uh, in the 
fifties, I believe. And it was it was to control all of these suckers and other fish that were competing with the trout. You know, if you have all these suckers in the lake, they're eating the same thing that the yeah. trout are. All of the all of the invertebrates, that kind of stuff. So you need something to eat those fish and get them out of there. Um, especially if poisoning the lake is not an option. So I think we have uh, a little over 40 water bodies with pike, and most of them produce trophies, um, The this lake being one of them. And it used to be a lot better, obviously. Um, they've really started going to town and killing all of the pike in these lakes. Like, the biologists will just go out and spend a week at a time netting and electrofishing and just killing everything they find. Um, and it's really sad. But yeah, I went out to this this lake with my friend Tyler, and uh, I wasn't expecting much. I was just trying to catch a few pike for, you know, to get my fix. Yeah. Nothing big, you know. I told him, if I get a 30-incher, I'm going to be... I'm going to be happy um, just because it's a welcome change from all these trout. And we get out there and, um, God, probably first five minutes, he sticks like a 37 on the, on the eight inch rising sun. And most of the rising suns I throw are the, the, Six and three quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just like a perfect snack size. That's the one I've always done best on. So I was throwing that. And he just keeps whacking them on the eight inch. And they would not touch my seven. Um, he threw on the seven at one, or the six and three quarter. Um, he threw that on at one point. It wouldn't get touched either. So we both went back to the eight. And they were just massacring everything in sight. It was, it was insane. And oh, uh, if if Wiker listens to this, he's gonna be punching the air. Um, we were using way too light of leader. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, which usually isn't a problem because our fisheries get just so pounded in Colorado that the pike are relatively line shy um so we try to use as light of leader as we can um so we were using 40 pound fluoro which has always done us pretty well i've never had a fish bite me off on 40 until that weekend uh my friend tyler got bit off four times in about 20 minutes um so yeah, that we must have hit just like an epic feeding window. Um it was probably like a 3-hour window where we were getting bit probably every 10 minutes on average. Um if we would have landed every fish that we had bite or hooked, 
we easily would have had over 200 pounds of pike. Um, and this lake is only 120 acres, maybe. It's not big at all. Um, so it was it was pretty remarkable. And they they weren't just hitting the rising suns. We got we got a lot on top water when the conditions were right. Um, I got one on the sly, uh, a couple of that hit the sly but didn't get hooked. Those bitches. Yeah, they they do that. I had, oh, I had a couple forty pluses follow my uh, strong perch, my Matler strong perch, all the way to the boat, and then just sat there and stared at me. I was like, you. Sons of bitches. Because I've been, I've been trying to catch a forty my entire life, and it has eluded me. And at this point, I'm like, it's never going to happen. Like I've I've put in so many years trying to get a forty, and all these dweebs out here, <laughs> not even fishing for pike or getting. Like state record size pike in Colorado. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Just give me one. Yeah. We had we had at least five or six that were probably mid forties. Uh that were missed opportunities. He got bit off by a couple, which makes it even worse. Fuck, dude. That's just And then uh getting smallmouth mixed in too. Yeah, oh my god. I mean, what a fucking day. It's just that so that lake is is really remarkable. Um especially given the handcuffs it has on it because it's so Colorado in the western slope of the state, the western side of the mountains. That's in the Colorado River drainage and there are Four endangered cypriniforms. Um, so they're basically suckers, suckers and chubs. Yeah. They're federally endangered. So there's a program put in place called the Upper Colorado uh, Recovery Program, and it's it's junk. It's a program to try and recover all these endangered species. It's been put in place for probably 60 years now. They haven't made any progress whatsoever. Um, so any pike, smallmouth, walleye on the western side of the state are considered invasive, and there's no limit. Um, biologists aren't even allowed to manage for them. So this lake has all three of those bad fish. And even with that, it still persists as a as a decent fishery. It has produced yeah. some some of the biggest walleye I've ever seen in my life. Um, looking at some of their data in their um, in their killing projects, they've killed eighteen pounders, eighteen pound walleye. Um, with that's what that's what the state record is. Um, oh my god! 
And this lake also has a multi-million dollar screen on the dam to prevent these fish from escaping into the river and eating the endangered fish. Um, oh my god. Yeah, they went in gosh, six or seven years ago. Um, and they just spent two or three years uh, killing every walleye they could find. And then that's and then so they cool. went they went back in after that and stalked walleye. But the walleye they stalked were sterile triploids. Which makes absolutely no sense to me. Um considering they already had walleye and they were self sustaining. So let's go in, spend money kill, let's spend money killing them all and then spend even more money stocking them in every year. It that's a prime example of how screwed up fisheries in Colorado are and Wyoming and Utah. Utah's the worst of all of them. I mean, you posted a picture the other day or maybe you sent it to me, I can't remember, of of a sign that said it, like if you catch a largemouth or smallmouth kill it, right? That's accurate. I'm I'm not making that up. Oh yeah. So they're largemouth are relatively considered quote unquote compatible with the endangered fish because they don't do well in the yeah. river. Um I remember a few years ago there was an article in the newspaper. It might have been the Denver Post or something um where they they were educating people on the difference between a good bass and a bad bass. Bad bass being smallmouth and how they're invasive and you need to kill every one of them to save these endangered fish. I'm like that it may, that is so mind-blowingly dumb to me. Um I I've been <laughs> I've been fighting this uh recovery program for so long. It's just and it's it's not biologists that are in charge of it. It's politicians. Um just none of it makes sense from a scientific standpoint. It's so dumb. Yeah, dude. I cannot imagine like just public enemy number one, largemouth and smallmouth bass. That is so crazy. Yeah. They even they even were killing catfish for a long time. Um uh, they've kind of slowed things down with that. Um, but they don't they don't bat an eye at trout because trout will never eat any anything. Um trout are the babies. They eat bugs. So you know, they don't even look at them as a culprit, yet you have these brown trout pushing 20 pounds in the rivers. Eating bugs. <laughs> They're, yeah, they got that big eating bugs, sure. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's like the old just, the old world record brown trout was caught up at yeah. home. You know, 40, 42 pounds. I mean, what was that fish eating? Oh, all the alewives that all the lake trout, steelhead, and salmon have been eating out in the big lake. Like, it's exactly the same exact shit. <laughs> yeah, I've got pictures of these browns from um, the river in the drainage. They're just, like, grotesquely obese. Uh, you know, 20 pounds, 
And it just so happens to be in the same area where they stock some of those those endangered fish um, as juveniles. So it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. But that's okay, because they're, they're a trout. They get a pass. Because <laughs> they're cool trout. That's, that's, that's the... They can't do that. They're not that powerful. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Um, shit. Uh, I talked about the pike. What, what are, like, uh, uh, so we'll go, we'll go, what are, like, your five go-to baits right now? And then we'll go to your gear overview, and then we'll kind of wrap it up for the day. What are your, I mean, you're going out wherever, your favorite lake or just new lake in general. And you've got to pick five or six baits, and you got to pick how you're going to fish them. What what are the go tos for you? Oh, that's that's a tough one. Um, and me being a multi species angler, I got to ask, what am I targeting? Yeah. Because um, okay. I what like you, you get to go to whatever lake you want to. Catch whatever you want, whether that be like, oh, hold on here. Okay, <laughs> going out and uh, so so we'll say that you're going out for trout, and then give us another like two or three baits for trout, two or three baits for bass, and then two or three baits for like your musky when you go out for musky. Um, so my best swim bait for trout um, is definitely the depths one fifteen. Um, I've always got that tied on that on the, uh, Omega finesse. Mm-hmm. That is a dream hooking into a, a mid twenties rainbow or something on that. And I'm just ripping drag. That's a blast. Um, I also like the Gancraft 70. Um, I've caught some, some pretty remarkable trout on that. Um, I mostly throw that for like my brook trout. Um, if I'm fishing for any of the bigger species, I'm gonna be throwing the depths. Um, and then I like. Hmm. I like smaller paddle tails. Um, three or four inch Hazadong shad from Mega Bass. Mm-hmm. Um. I just picked up some of those really old Matt Lures minnows. Yeah. I think those will be killer. Um, I haven't put any time in with them yet. And then switching to bass. Oh, I got to go with my, his uh, baby carp glide. That thing is... It blows my mind every time I use it. Um, gotta go with anything Matt lures. Um, I've the amount of fish I've caught on Matt lures hard baits is astronomical compared to other baits I own. So the hard gills, uh, strong shads, all of those, uh, those I don't leave home without them. Um, I really like my sly uh, replica trout and the the new sly um, 
the 6.2 gil that he just released. Yeah. That thing is insane. The things I can make it do in the water is just mind blowing. Um, he knocked that one out of the park. It looked it fishes as, as good as it looks. Um, I really like my his juvie trout wake as well. Um, I don't really have any soft baits because I hate soft baits. The only the only time I, time I have sec- success with soft baits is fishing for pike. Um, I I can't buy a soft bait fish when it comes to bass. I've never had a bite on a hud. I've never had a bite on a burrito. Um, anything like that. So I I don't throw soft baits very much. Um. I've been having decent success with my trashies lately. Um, that splake that was on the trashy shad. I think that's the that was my first fish on that bait. Um, those the swim on those is insane. Um, every trashy I own is so good, and I would I don't know if you've seen them yet, but he's come out with like these little tiny threadfin baits yeah yeah i would really like to get my hands on those for some of the trout in my area i i think those fish would just smoke those dude did you see the uh um that bait that he posted today the 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 new dad bod self-tuning bait um was that that like the lipless looking one? No, this one's got this one the trashy. It's got a lip in it and it's got a it's got a weight in the lip and it also has like a circuit board style line tie into the lip. It is pretty fucking crazy to look at and been like, whoa, like that is so much ingenuity into a bill. Like we've never really seen that before. Yeah, I'm gonna have to see this. Where was that posted? Uh, it was in Universe, and uh, Josh had posted it. Mm. I commented on it. Uh, Josh? Yeah, he posted it today, so it should have been like his second or third oh, post. Yeah. Scroll down. Dude, that is a sick bait. I think he said it dies like 15 foot down or something. Yep, I like that. Just I like. Uh, I love all of his baits. I want. I want every one of them. Yeah, the amount of work he put into the design of that bill is absolutely crazy. You know even though I, you know, it's even crazy. I never doing this in his apartment. Yeah, that's fucking that crazy, dude. It's like Gage and yeah. building baits. Well, I guess he just. He just got out of his apartment, but yeah, he was building baits in his apartment. I, if I ever finish my bait, it's going to be building it in my apartment, too. <laughs> I need to get cracking on that thing. I wanted to fish it this year, and it's not looking like I will. You'll have that on those bigger jobs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um. What what's your go to gear if you're going out to fish? What what rods are you grabbing? 
Um, I am Leviathan Rods until I die. I I don't ever plan on using anything else. Um, they're uh, they're just so good. Um, I've got I think eleven Leviathans between conventional and swim bait. Um, and the funny thing is, is I was looking at them the other day when I was fishing, I was like, I need more because <laughs> I, I'm like, I need, I want to make one, a dedicated wake bait rod. Um, you know, I need an extra if I want to throw the dead twitch out there and let it sit. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's definitely the Viathan. Um, Every time I use them, it, it just blows my mind. And then um, I've been I've been very blessed to be friends with Eric and Levi. Um, actually, when I lived back in at Lake Powell, that's when I met Levi and fished with him. Uh, that's before I even knew Leviathan was a thing. You know, that was when I was first getting into swim baits. Um. I had posted a picture on uh, Swimbait Universe of some baits, some Matt Lures baits, and it was something corny like, oh, hoping to get bit out at Lake Powell or something. And Levi had commented on it and said, let me know how you do. It's only a couple hours away from me. Mm-hmm. So Levi and I kind of started messaging back and forth and developed a friendship and eventually started fishing with each other. and. Um, later on that winter, I saw an advertisement for Leviathan and that they were looking for, uh, I guess crew members is what we're called. I was like, that's, that's the one that Levi was using. Yeah. Message Levi. And I was like, do you think I should? You know, be associated with this, and he was like, "Yeah, if you want to." I started using Leviathans and haven't looked back since. And he and Eric have just been awesome. I mean, I I couldn't ask for anything better. Um, yeah, I've got I've got I think four swim bait rods. Um, I need a dirty dragon. <laughs> I need one so bad. I do too. Cause I've got I've got the ghost. Um that is just a, a hair too heavy for the extra heavy. I can do it, but it, it feels wrong. <laughs> and then I've got this mega taxi from, from Victor. Uh it's like eleven ounces. I've owned that thing for like two years and haven't been able to throw it because I don't have a rod heavy enough. <laughs> um and then the conventionals, and then I've got a Leviathan fly rod as well. Um, that thing's pretty cool. And then for reels, I'm also Abu. Um, till I die, <laughs> I've I don't know. I've I've just never had anything bad with them. They've always been great to me. Um, I used to be mixed. I had Shimano and Abu, and my abu's just 
were outperforming all of my Shimanos and were lighter. Um, I started servicing reels on the side, and so I got a good look inside of all of them. And after that, I was pretty much all Abu. I ended up selling all my Shimanos. Um, I know a lot of a lot of people are going to disagree with that, including Gage. Um, he's he's flipped from Abu to Shimano, but I just I just love them. They're they're workhorses and well built. Um, I spool them all up with braid for the most part. Uh, P line braid. It's by far my favorite braid as well. It's coated in Teflon, which is what's in like nonstick pans. That coating. It's super yeah. smooth and super hydrophobic. Um, it's an awesome line there. So yeah, those, those that's kind of what I'm using for setups. Um, I like the just the basic Revo series for the Abus. Um, I've only got one beast, but and that's on the extra heavy. All of my other rods, I've got just the regular Revos, and they've done so well. It's it's been very impressive. I've got a Toro. I think Toro's the white one. Oh yeah, the the, the Toro S. Yeah, yeah, I've got that for my mother, and I like it. I've got I've had it for a couple years now, and I've beaten the absolute snot out of it, dude. I've never gotten it cleaned. It used to ride in the bed of my truck <clears throat> all the time. That like, thing's caught me. All of my taxi trout fish and all of my bigger bait fish. It I like that reel a lot. Power handle. I like the power handle too. Surprisingly, like I might get it switched out this year, but I've never had an issue with yep, it. Yep, that was my first swim bait reel. Um, it was awesome. It was a little big for my liking. I like to really, I like to really be able to palm my reels. So I like the low profiles. That one's like in between a low pro and around. Um, and you can yeah. still palm it if you got big hands, but it was just a little big for my liking. It, it was, yeah, that thing was awesome. I kind of wish I didn't sell it, but I'm on to better things now. I've got my eyes on this, um, this JDM Abu. For some reason, Abu in Japan gets all of the cool stuff. Compared to what we get over here, um, I don't know if you've seen the Xenon, the new lineup from Abu. That's their new flagship series. That dark purple one. Uh they've got a, they've got a black one, silver one. Um, there, I think there's three bait casters in the Xenon series. Oh, the silver. The five hundred and fifty dollar one, the Abu Zeon MG LTX. Yeah, so they've got they've got the Xenon series, but in Japan they have an extra one, the Xenon Beast. So it's it's built on that Xenon concept, but it's got beefed up handle and gears and everything to handle bigger baits, um, and it's only available in Japan. So. Oh, dude. Two hundred ninety-six dollars for the 
beast yeah. version. So I've got I've really? I've got my eyes on that to pair on my um my Omega Heavy. Um they make that in a nine to one gear ratio, which I think will be perfect uh for the canine. I'm, I'm trying to learn the canine. Um, I've I've had all these DRT baits for all these years and haven't put any time with them. I figured it's time to start using them more. Dude, surprisingly, they only have 11 pounds of drag. I feel like that's kind of that's low. very low for an Abu. Yeah, but yeah. it's a clicking. 94. Or 11 pounds of drag, and they only weigh 7 ounces. I yeah, mean, that's, that's absolutely nothing. nothing. But the drag is a clicker drag, so that makes up for it. Yeah, yeah, it's like the uh, Calcutta's are clicker drags, I think. Or Yeah, I've always wanted a clicker drag reel. Interesting. Look, they, they look slick. I like the way they look. I found out Abu Japan makes a, a travel swim bait rod that's rated up to like 10 ounces. Really? Um, it's a four-piece. It's called, like, the World Monster or something. I was looking into it, and it's, like, for guys that just travel the world and catch the biggest fish on every continent, like all these giant snakeheads and Wells catfish and all this stuff. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. I'm looking at it. Oh, fucking so... Dude, 150 US dollars? What? It's yeah. insane. The... The cool stuff Abu Japan has. I wish we could get more of it over here. For like, pretty stupid cheap too. And they make, Abu Japan has like, 10 different swim bait reels. Between like the big shooters and the beasts the and all that shooters. stuff. I like the big shooters a lot. Yeah. I would take those. When I was getting into it, that was like the reel to have. The Abu big shooter. Oh yeah, that I kind of like, wish I could get like the um, the third gen beast um, that was kind of like a chrome finish, mm-hmm. um, and then the the Aurora. Um, that was an older third gen. I think it was a JDM exclusive. It's got uh, I don't know how to explain it, but it's got this really crazy finish on it um it's almost like a rainbow reflective type finish i would love to have those someday what is was the old generation big shooter the black and blue one with the super wide spool i think so yeah okay so revo toro beast 2015 model Dude, I like I like the old Abu's like uh what are they like the C one thousands that have like the cool pike etch- etch- etching etchings and stuff onto the side plates. Mm-hmm. Those are super I mean that's obviously direct from Sweden, but those are like that that when I think of Abu, that's what I think of is as those older reels with all the cool artwork on them. Because that's so badass. Yeah. I don't think many people realize, but Abu's I want to say the oldest reel maker out there. Uh, they've been doing it for, I think this is the 101st year. So crazy. 
Yeah, all of all these other brands like Shimano and Daiwa, everything they did was built on top of what Abu had built. Did they used to make watches? Yep. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's Is that what they, they got how they got into it? Yeah, the guy that originally started it was a watchmaker and That's what I thought. Um eventually started making reels. You yeah, get 102 it, years. It was around uh, it was it was some war or something that made him change. I want to say there's a whole documentary on it. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. On a 1921 originally manufactured watch, telephone timers, and taxi meters. However, the founder's son, not even gonna try to say his name, a fishing enthusiast, soon redirected its fishing towards the fishing reels during World War II when demand for those traditional products diminished. The leading American outdoor sports participant, distributed manufacturing, blah, 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 blah. That's crazy. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy that people, I mean, when you say Abu to anybody, realistically, they always think of the Black Max and the Pro Max, and that's really the extent of it. And I mean, depending on where they come from, but like swim bait guys, like if you ask, like, oh, yeah, the Tor or the Beast, the older Beasts, and, you know, some would say the Toro, but I mean, they, they make the higher end stuff is all good. I mean, that video yeah. you sent me the other day, it casting off a whole spool of braid. Yeah. <laughs> pretty fucking good. Yeah, the upper the upper end abus are amazing. I had so I had the Corrado DC at one point and then the Abu ALF um which were both the same exact pri price point at the same at the time. Um that ALF just dominated the Corrado DC in every category. It was like half the weight, casted twice as far, uh, like twice the drag, better materials, everything. From that, yeah, that point on, that, that reel has been one of my favorites by far. And that's on the, the old MGX platform. Um, mm -hmm. That whole platform is insane. Uh, I have the MG Extreme 2, which used to be Abu's flagship reel. Um, uh, they retailed for 500 or something, some astronomical price. Um, I picked one up overseas for like 300 or something. Yeah. That's the only reel to leave me speechless when using it. It... It's insane how good it is. And I never use it. <laughs> I don't know why. It's so good. And the new Xenon series is basically the, just the new generation of that. It's the lightest bait caster ever made at four and a half ounces. It's, it's a, literally a feather. It is unbelievable. Every, they did not spare any expense when it came to weight saving. It is like all aluminum and carbon fiber. That's so badass. Fucking, if it had the capability, throw that on the finesse, dude. You'd have a fucking eight ounce setup. Oh, yeah. Even if you can't, just to put it on there and see 
the lightest setup you could get with it. What is eight, what's the rod? Five, eight, five, seven ounces? Yeah, I think it's five and a half. The so, finesse. I mean, essentially, you have yourself a nine, nine ounce combo. Yep. It, Actually, I did that. I put it on there just to see what it weighed. And I can't remember what it was, but it was insane how light yeah, it was. Because that rod is, I mean, I, I put that rod, that finesse rod, next to an old seven-foot medium. I have of another brand that was one of their high-end rods. And it was the same weight as a seven-foot medium as a 7.9 heavy swim bait rod. It blows my mind how light those Leviathans are. I don't know how they do it. So crazy, man. But uh, wrapping it up here, what, what are the socials? Where can people follow you if they don't already? Oh, so my fishing Instagram is derelict underscore fishing. Um, my personal Instagram is blinnell34. Um, I don't really post on that one because I, I don't know. I don't have anything to post. <laughs> if I'm going to post fish, it's going to go to my, my fishing page. Yeah. No YouTube, nothing like that. No, not yet. I, I got a GoPro, um, uh, in hopes of starting a channel, but I just don't catch enough fish. <laughs> yeah i just i just make mine go 24 7 and when i do catch one clip it and call it a day yeah. oh yeah call it fish perfect yeah have to post on instagram for a reel <laughs> there's been a lot of times where i wish i would have had it and then there's other times where i have it and i don't catch anything yeah i think i think kind of probably makes you fish a little <laughs> bit different it definitely did for me for a while and then i realized like Hey, jackass, like, just, just fish normal. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, I do have a YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> but the only videos are my old basketball highlights. If you guys want to go check that out. Classic. My, but, uh... my buddies always kind of joke about it. But they always, they always show my highlight video uh, <laughs> to their relatives and stuff. They, one of my oh, one of my old nickname nicknames is Sugar Dunkerton. Um, and they're like, "That's Dunkerton. I know him." <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! But yeah, I'll put uh, Ben's Instagram in the highlight reel in the in the show notes <laughs> if you guys want to go. You guys want to go uh, follow him and give that a thumbs up. We do go like that. We do have a. Instagram page, uh, me, Gage, and Troy. Um, eh, we don't post on it a ton. It's called Suicide Swimbait Crew. Uh, it's nothing but swimbaits and us three. Um, yeah. Lately, it's been mostly me. For some reason, they're not posting on it. Those sons of bitches. Oh, speaking of that. I was going to ask this when you were um, talking about the zine and all the PBs. Did you get Gage's new PB? Uh, um, 
off the top of my head, I don't remember. Because he caught. But worst case scenario, worst case scenario, I'll get him on the next one. He caught. Uh, uh, I want to say it was like three or four weeks ago. He smashed his PB. It was like six eleven or something. Oh, I think I I do remember seeing that. I don't know if I had gotten him in this one or yeah. not. That was a pretty sweet fish. Especially yeah, especially for Colorado. Yeah, dude, really. Jeez, OP. Yeah, I can't imagine a fish like that. He's caught some pretty ridiculous bass, especially his smallies. I can't yeah, wait. I'd, I'd, take, I'd take that PB. I can't wait for his... Oh, I can't wait for his baits to come out. He's got... Yeah, I think, I think people will really like him. I know he finally did his first... Um, release of his shad glide he he's been working on that thing for so long put in so much work um and i've i've been seeing people smashing them on from that first batch and it's so nice to see and he's got a couple eh, a couple new things cooking up that i'm really excited for a couple trouts Hell yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get you guys on for a round table sometime. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yep. Get Troy on here. Hell yeah, dude. I I will have to do that and then we'll get a round table going and just shoot the shit for two hours. Have a good time. Yeah, that would be a blast. We've talked about it. How how awesome that would be. Yeah, man, it I think it'd be freaking a lot of fun, that's for sure. But uh, I want to thank Ben for coming on. Like I said, I will leave uh, the highlight tape in the, in the description if you guys <laughs> want to go watch that. And obviously, I'll leave all his Instagram stuff down there too. Um, make sure if you guys are looking, if uh, if Ben kind of swayed you into looking at a Leviathan, if you guys pick one up, make sure you guys use scale 20 at checkout for 20% off of your rods, as long as it's not the daily. And um, make sure... Do that. Yeah. You won't regret it. You guys will be listening to this either on the day or the day before the zines drop. So keep your eye out. There'll be a week-long pre-order. Um, yep, get one of those, too. Yeah, $25, uh, $30 shipped. Or if you guys are listening to this Thursday morning, you can hurry up and hop on the Patreon, subscribe for $5, and get first dibs, and you'll automatically get it sent to you. You don't have to wait, wait in line at the pre-order. And uh, make sure you guys. I'm gonna probably have a code on the website so you can get the sticker and the magazine for probably like 32 bucks. So you get entered into the giveaway, which will be a, a Cooper Bates Dirty Dan that'll probably be posting tomorrow when we're recording this. And I think that's probably everything. So I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, this episode of your favorite Swim Bay podcast. Uh, like I said, I want to thank Ben for coming on. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I'll talk to you guys next time. See you guys.